let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, we are joined by Axios' Junate Deal and CityCast contributor Dan Reed to talk through the DC mayor's sweeping new anti-crime proposal, the latest twist in the story of the Beltway Zebras. And it turns out that Dan has some thoughts on leaf collection. Stick around. Today is Friday, October 27th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Dan, Junaid, how's it going, guys? I'm doing all right. <laughs> hey, Mike, how are you? So, Junaid, uh, you did uh, some reporting this week. I think you scooped this. Uh, the uh, mayor was going to and now has uh, rolled out a big new proposal in the face of uh, rising uh, homicide rate and other crime uh, stats. It's a uh, in a city where the kind of public public policy has ticked towards reform and towards a much less aggressive posture. It's a a pretty big change. Can you sort of give us the the quick and dirty what's in it? Bowser's bill is pretty big. It's going to try and go after these open air drug markets. And what struck me is that we haven't heard that kind of direct response to open-air drug markets in D.C. for probably two decades. She's also going after the crime of sort of this era, which is retail theft, you, all those empty shelves at CVS or whatnot. And it goes back and rolls some, back some of the police reforms of recent years after the police murder of George Floyd. So it doesn't go into the heart of the reforms, but it does change, for example, the definition of a police chokehold to clarify what the police uh, union and other officers say is too broad. And even if you touch someone's neck, uh, it gets turned into a use of force investigation. So the mayor uh, is following sort of what the police union has said and wants to roll that definition back a little bit. And it also allows officers to view police body cam footage in some cases before writing their report. So all in all, big picture, it's kind of a rollback of some of the progressive reforms enacted in recent years. And it's going to take seven votes on the council. That's no given. Well, let me ask you first about the proposal and then about the votes. The big, as you said, there's sort of two most uh, highest profile things in this current crime moment. One is the grotesque rise in homicides, particularly homicides of young people, guns. And the other is these sort of mass retail thefts. The She rolls out this proposal, this sort of 90s style proposal on drug-free zones. What is the theory as to how that is supposed to bite into homicide? She sees that these drug zones are fueling a lot of violence. I asked her specifically, I mean, what what's being sold? And even marijuana, she said, it brings all this cash and all this violence when you're fighting over turf of where you get to sell any of these drugs. So on Kennedy Street in 
you know, Northwest, Upper Northwest, for example, prosecutors charged a big crew recently for shipping in marijuana all the way from California and selling it. And they had all these beefs on the street over, you know, territory, essentially. So she sees these open air drug markets as fueling crime, much like, you know, what Washington experienced in the 90s and 80s when it was much, much worse. And the idea is to sort of have no loitering zones, I guess. And there's already concerns about can you actually do that constitutionally? How effective is that even when it's just a simple law that's about no loitering? It doesn't really go into much more beyond that. They pulled this bill. This, they had a law like this and pulled it back for constitutional reasons. Why do they think this doesn't have that problem? They said, you know, the, the lawyers looked at it and all these other things, but it, it it's not, you know, cut and dry. I mean, it, it's practically the same thing that they pulled back a few years ago that even the mayor at the time in 2014 as council member voted to pull back that law. So on the uh, on the mass thefts thing, the idea is basically we're going to stiffen the penalties for for retail theft. I don't know. Have you talked to people who follow this? Like, do they actually think that like, oh, no, I could get like more time in prison for this? Is that going to actually uh, is that a factor that dissuades people? Right. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I, I don't know if specifically this new crime they're going to bring. It's called directing organized retail theft. There's heftier penalties if you're sort of the mastermind, I guess, of clearing the shelves. Uh, I mean, is that going to go after people who are the ringleaders? I don't know. But the, the idea, I think, here is not to go after just the low-level sort of people, perpetrators, but to go after the ones who are really directing a lot of young people who might get swept up and persuaded to do crimes. And I will add one thing there is that it, the law is going to bring back a anti-mask law. And so you can't wear a mask to intimidate or do a crime. And that would be an extra charge. And we've seen a lot of retail thefts with masked individuals. So the idea is you go after the people who are like, hey, everybody, let's meet at the CVS and steal everything. Yeah, it looks like they're going after the sort of ringleader behind these retail thefts. I guess the person who is corralling young people or whoever the suspects are and directing them to say, you know, go grab a trash bag, clear out the shelves from your local convenience store. All right. So uh, that's the policy piece of it. But the votes is tough. You know, there's a, a, a very assertive a progressive block in the council. The council has uh, has swung pretty hard on criminal justice reform matters. What do you think? Like, do, is this dead on arrival? What was the response in the council? And what's your analysis of whether she's got uh, she's gonna, she's got the ability to persuade a majority of them to go with her? Maybe surprisingly, I actually don't think it's dead on arrival. You saw some progressive council members say, sort of aspirationally, we're open to working with the mayor and we want to be united on confronting crime in Washington. I think between the lines, what's happening is that some of these council members are now seeing crime is affecting their constituents every day. And they're going to crime scenes and they're talking to uh, victims and other people and officers as well who have to do this work. And I think even if you're Janice Lewis-George, who's up for re-election in Ward 4, she was, she's like one of the most foremost progressive members. And I think even she turned up at the mayor's presser and said, we want to work together. And I think that signals there will be some compromise. I think something will get passed. There's a lot in the details, though, 
The toughest part for progressives is how do you vote to bring back some of these laws that you reformed and such as the mask law? You're going to be voting for something you just voted to change just a year or two ago. So do we think this could actually work if it gets passed? I mean, we've tried it before. Will it be different this time? Well, I mean, that that's like the real question here. Even some of these progressive lawmakers aren't saying anything one way or the other. They're looking at the bill. You have groups that are studying criminal justice and saying, you know, a no loitering law is just going to target a lot more people of color, black people. And same thing with the mask law, where the idea is if a police sees a bunch of people in masks, they can stop them and ask them questions and you know, it can get out of hand in that way as well. So in, in a lot of these laws go back to the 90s, the 2000s, some of the failed reforms that a lot of critics are saying, well, this isn't getting at the meat of the problem. It, it's just another way to find suspects on the street. And it could lead to more of a distrust between policing, uh, police and residents. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. All right, so this week on Wednesday in a court in Maryland, a man named Jerry Lee Holly, which is a pretty awesome name, was uh, acquitted on charges of animal cruelty. This is the the uh, last twist in the saga that some of you may remember from a couple of years ago of the zebras. The, the, a couple of zebras escaped from a uh, this man who was a sort of collector and purveyor of exotic animals. And zebras were sort of spotted in various places around Prince George's County. They became kind of a meme. It became a, a symbol for man's yearning to breathe free. Uh, and then it turned dark because it turned out that uh, one of the zebras was like caught in a in a trap in a, in a forest and died and and uh, the uh, owner was subsequently charged with animal cruelty the post this week had an enormous and a story that I really recommend to people about his long 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 history with many many charges of of mistreatment of exotic animals in uh, in Florida here and so on he was acquitted in this case. But to me, at least, it is a, sort of a reminder uh, of like, you know, he's, it's kind of like a Florida man story in a weird way. But, you know, D.C., the Washington area, which is this pretty rich area, this pretty buttoned down area, well, decently governed area that like not very far away and just a couple inches beneath the surface here, too, exists just sort of like weird backwoods stuff, including like 
elderly man who uh, collects and shows a bunch of different kinds of crazy wild animals in a kind of like, I mean, he had them on a farm and said love them, but it sort of surprises you to be reminded that like, oh, that's that's where we are too. The, the weird and the exotic exists in our sort of uh, suburbanized and carefully developed region of the country too. Turns out you don't have to go to West Virginia for the wild and wonderful. Uh, one thing, Michael, I saw is that... Well, not so wonderful. <laughs> well... One thing I didn't know is that a group of zebras can be called a dazzle, which I learned from this great post story. But there's a whole Save the Zebras campaign, and this was a real sort of, you know, you've everyone's seen those car chase videos or those videos of some animal running wild free with the helicopter, news, news chopter looking at it. This was sort of our existence for a few weeks here in the Washington region. And there was a thing, I don't know, like 20 or 30 years ago where a bunch of uh, cattle got loose on the beltway. And apparently, according to the Post story, the same uh, person was involved in that incident. But anyway, it's like a pretty, you know, it's a pretty grim history. But like, it just serves to remind that like before the Washington suburbs spread and kind of genericized everything, this was still kind of a a southernish part of the country with weird stuff happening in their woods. We were a sleepy southern town, right? I mean, Tyson's was cow country. Right, right. Not zebra. <laughs> Not quite zebras. It's fall. The seasons have changed. Leaves are falling. And DC leaf collection starts Monday. For, for all of you out there who uh, are responsible citizens who put their leaves out at the appropriate time, as, as suggested by your government. But, Dan, this uh, is a season that triggers big thoughts for you. Talk to me about them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this week is supposed to be peak uh, leaf color time, uh, which means soon those leaves are going to fall, which means I have to start raking my leaves, which I don't love. Uh, (laughs) So in D.C. it starts on Monday and it's going to run through January. And as the law says, you have to rake your leaves either into the tree box, if you have one, or up to the curb on the Sunday before your collection day. Now you might ask yourself, when are my leaves going to be connected? This year, D.C.'s uh, Department of Public Works has lots of technology to make sure you know when to rake your leaves. They've promised to send out messages on all their social media, a special app that you can download for leaves, I assume, and of course next door because where else would you do it, uh, each Friday saying where you can go the next week, which means you have the weekend to rake your leaves. Uh, and there's also an online tracker thing where you can click on your block and it'll say when your next collection is and if in fact it's happened yet. Uh, and presumably you can also report if they say that your block has had the leaves collected but they haven't been collected yet. They're going to do two passes to collect the leaves, so if you miss it once you'll get another chance as the pile of leaves covering your entire yard and your path and your deck continue to grow and multiply. Where do the leaves go, Dan? <laughs> so every year, DPW composts between five and 7,000 leaves each year, and they go to the, the Fort Totten Transfer Station, a.k.a. If, uh, Stinky Hill, if you remember biking past it for many years before the MBT was finished. Uh, and that's where you can pick up free compost. Now, 
I learned this year that some people aren't raking their leaves at all. I actually live in Silver Spring, and I see a lot of people in my neighborhood who have these, like, leave the leaves sign in their yards. So apparently not raking your leaves helps create habitats for small animals, and then over time, the leaves will break down and enrich the soil. I can speak from experience that the pile of leaves in my yard from last year is still more or less there. <laughs> uh, so so what about you? Are, you? are you team rake or team leave the leaves? I'm not leave the leaves when it comes to the street outside where I live, where over the last two years it's turned into mush and it's yeah. basically swamp mud at this point. That That's DC government's fault though. <laughs> and dear God, I don't want small animals in my house. <laughs> it's slippy too. Is this like actually a thing, Dan, or is this just like a group of kooky neighbors of yours? Is it is it a group of my crunchy neighbors here on the Silver Spring Tacoma Park border? Maybe. I only go so many places, I don't know. I, I personally have gotten a leaf blower for the first time this year. Uh, electric, because Montgomery County has banned gas leaf blowers. So I look forward to strapping it on this weekend and at least blowing my leaves to someone else's yard. Maybe that's going to be my solution. Uh, so then they can rake them up. Can you blow it blow it to one of your neighbors with one of those signs? That'd be pretty far. I'll have to see how powerful it is. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough extension cord. Just so for, I actually wonder this every year, but what you are supposed to do in the District of Columbia as a law-abiding citizen mm -hmm. is after you rake your leaves, are you are supposed to put them in a bag and that's when they collect it, they, like with where your trash goes? Or can you actually just pile up the leaves and they vacuum them away? Am I, am I conflating two things? Um, you can, you can, I believe you can bag them, but the idea is you actually are supposed to rake your leaves to the curb and they have a little vacuum that comes by and like scoops them up. Yeah, that's, they do that in, in the counties too. Like that's why you're supposed to take them to the curb because a little, little vacuum comes and goes. Mm -hmm. It, I don't know if you can hear that sound. It's actually much louder in person. It's terrible. <laughs> You'll know when it comes. All right, Dan, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for having me. All right, Junaid, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Okay, thank you. And that is all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilve. Our producers are Julia Karen, Elizabeth Kama, and Noah Snyderman. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Cote-Stemmerman. Our production assistant is Susanna Brown. And our hosts are Bridget Todd and me, Michael Schaefer from Politico. Music is by Alex Roldan. If you enjoyed the show, why not? Tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye.